Hey, you guys, welcome to the Main and Magic Podcast, your stop for all things Disney. I'm your host, Dawn Brown, and this is episode number 40. Whether you're adventuring in the parks or at home via Disney Entertainment, I'm here to bring you the guests and info that'll pixie dust your experience, and we're picking up lots of new friends along the way. You can catch the links to our audio recordings on our website at mainandmagic.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Just search for the Main and Magic Podcast. After the show, we invite you to join our community on Facebook to share your thoughts about each topic and to connect with other Disney fans. In this episode, I continue my conversation with author and WDW opinion podcaster Connor Brown. We discuss his book, Yacht Club to Diamond Mine, my journey to working at one of Walt Disney World's most popular attractions, and the process he used to write it. We chat about a hard lesson he included, plus how he got started in podcasting. This is part two of a two-part episode. So join us on the red car trolley as we take a ride to the crossroads of Maine and Magic. Welcome aboard, everybody. Climb on up and grab a seat as we continue our conversation with Connor Brown. Okay, I want to shift now and talk about your book a little bit. So Mm -hmm. I don't want to give away the farm because we want people to go read it. But I do want to say that I think it's for a lot of audiences. So what I want to do is can you give us a summary of the book and who you you specifically think it's for? Yeah, I think... um... One, for anyone who reads it, apologies on all the typos. Um, I always like to say that up front. I am only a man. Uh, The computer can help me only so far. Um, But I think who it's for is if if you have that book in your hands, chances are you you already know about the college program. Like that's not a book that's going to convince anyone to do the college program. The people who are reading that book have already thought of like, oh, I'm doing the college program or, you know, love Disney so much that they want to learn more about the inner workings of it. I think that that's who it's for. The people who love the place so much, who want to gain a greater appreciation of the inner workings, who are like the Disney geeks who want to know as much as humanly possible. I think that 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 is a, a huge group of people who can really benefit and enjoy reading that book and be entertained by that book. But also say probably the other group is like the people who are about to do the college program or who are about to start working for Disney, who hopefully would read that as like a, a kind of like a what to expect when you're expecting sort of thing. Like, hey, I'm going yeah. into this like, <laughs> What should I know? What should I learn from? And and I, I think that that's what it's kind of really about is like learning from the challenges and the opportunities that I occurred and uh, occurred to me and, and happened to me. And hopefully you can take that and really run with it once you, you land in Florida to, to start your program. I do just want to mention the title again real quick. It's Yacht Club to Diamond Mine. 
my journey to working at one of Walt Disney World's most popular attractions. So I was actually personally drawn to reading this because I don't know much about the training and ops side of like resort hospitality and attractions roles. I was in, I was called a a role hopper. I don't know if they had those when you were there, but that basically meant that I was going to be trained on multiple, in multiple areas. So I did merchantainment, which is working in the stores. It's just Disney's word (laughs) for (laughs) merchandise. Um, Quick service, quick service, food and beverage, phantasmic vending. So, you know, I was kind of like all over the place. So the only thing that I ever knew about attractions or resort hospitality roles was in the random instances, I would actually see my roommates Mm. (laughs) and they would sort of tell me a little bit about what they were doing, but I, you know, like the training is completely different. So I was just curious and I was actually like quite excited because you actually go in depth. Like you were talking about the Lilo system that you work on in, in front desk at Yacht and Beach Club. And, you know, so that was like really fascinating to me to have that more in depth side of what goes on behind those roles. Yeah. I think I, I wrote, I wrote the book that I always wanted to read before I became a cast member. Like the the kind of content I was always craving, which is like the most detail-oriented thing about what it's like to be a cast member. And I think the story that was super interesting is the fact that, and what I've mentioned here before, is that I worked two different roles that were only like two miles away from each other that felt like they were worlds apart. And I tried to dive in to the nitty gritty about both of those roles that I think a true Disney fanatic would really, really appreciate, understand, and be entertained by. I genuinely, like when I was reading it, I was like, why didn't I keep a journal or something when I was there? Because I I have a lot of like the training paperwork and stuff like that, but yeah, just every role is so different. Like even, you know, in the future, I, I want to talk to like custodial cast members and like you were saying, third shift cast members and everybody's role is so different. And the training for each one is very unique. And like the things that are your responsibility and what you have sort of like freedom and leeway to, to do. I mean, I made when I was in merchandise, I ha- I got to interact with guests a lot. And there was like downtimes because I worked in animation courtyard. So when it was busy was when um, the little mermaid was dumping mm-hmm. out. Right. So then it's like chaos for 10 minutes and then you're just like standing yeah. there. So I was like making dining reservations for people from, from behind the <laughs> cash register, you know, yeah. just so random, but I, I really loved it. So you also wrote the book that I wanted to read. Nice. Cool. <laughs> um, it was also cool. Um, I kind of mentioned it earlier about how like the process 
is very much the same as when I did it back in 2001. It's just like the delivery of things is a little Mm -hmm. bit different. Like when I checked in to get my apartment assignment, it was done at Pleasure Island. May it rest in peace. peace. (laughs) But the steps were essentially the same as what you described going through your process. Of course, now there are ways you can like choose your roommates. Like I know there's Facebook groups and things like that. Um, But yeah, that was super interesting. So, okay. What I really want to know though is, I guess you kind of did touch on it, but what inspired you to write a book? Like you just decided to like, I'm just going to write down every single thing that happened while I was there. How, why, how did you come to that decision? Yeah, I think a part of me always wanted to be able to write a book. I just thought it was a cool challenge, a cool something to to kind of show off. And I knew it was going to be difficult, but I would always struggle and be like, well, what am I going to write about? What am I going to write about? And like at the top of the show, our, our, this might have been before we were recording, when you were like, yeah, you work the college program and it becomes like 90% of your personality. This was the same thing. <laughs> I was like, well, what am I going to write about? Oh, I know exactly what I'm going to write about, about working in Walt Disney World. So that inspired me to give it a go. And then once I decided to do it, I realized, well, think of 13-year-old Connor who was, you know, kind of on this Disney island, so to speak, all on his own. Like, you know, your, your friends don't really understand that much about why you love it so much. Some of your family members probably probably don't. They all are very supportive and they know that you're you're the Disney guy, but there's very few outlets to share with with people. Now with the internet, I mean you can share it with everyone. But I was like, well, we'll put myself in my previous life's shoes. What would I have loved to have read then to fill that Disney void to kind of um anticipate what was to come and, and dream about, um, that I was gonna, gonna achieve one day. And, and hopefully I was able to do that by writing this book. And hopefully people, you know, who, who do want to do the college program someday are able to read this and are the Disney geeks that they are and learn so much, but also, uh, think of the future and daydream of the future of, of what it's going to be like to work there. Um, hopefully that'll, that I've been able to accomplish that with this book. I I do. I also want to say I loved the layout. Like you did it very chronologically. So it was super easy to follow. You know, it wasn't, it was just, it just seemed like it was very chronological and like straight line, which is good for my brain in stories. Like Memento is a terrible huh. movie for me to watch. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, there's um, one. Yeah, one book I'm reading right now. It's like that. It's like, why are we jumping around? Why are you doing this to people? We're, you know, we're in 1970 now. We're in 1959, 1970, <laughs> I'm Like, why are we doing this? Um, but yeah, so it was super easy to read and understand, and like your progression through your time with the company. So nice, cool. How how did you decide? 
what goes in and what stays out because you you do get super specific about operations and your roles. Everything that's in the book was something that when I was a when it was occurring to me in the moment or when I was living it in the moment for the first time and I thought, oh wow, that's interesting. That's in the book. Like the things that are just kind of self-explanatory aren't in the book, but the things that I had no idea existed, the little details here or there. If it was interesting to me as I was doing it and learning about it, then then I think ultimately that that made it into the book. I think a lot of other things could have could have made it. I mean, this book could have been you know gigantic, and it's not. It's very, a very very small book. It's in a lot of ways super detail oriented, but very condensed. And I kind of wanted it to be that way. I didn't want it to ramble a lot. I wanted it to get to the point, but I wanted people to be able to learn a lot from it. So if something was intriguing to me in the moment, then I think that that's what made it in the book. Because to be like totally honest with you, I didn't have like good notes on my college program. Like I didn't keep a journal. I didn't keep a diary. It was just all in my head. Like I had kept my training documents, so I knew my schedules and stuff, but it was all in my head. And I thought to myself, well, if this bit of information is still in my head, then I clearly thought it was important and cool. So therefore it, it should be in the book. The things that aren't in my head anymore probably weren't that, that interesting. And that's the reason that I've forgotten them. Good point. Good point. So there is something I do want to touch on that you did put in the book that you didn't have to put in the book. And that is that you included a section about applying for a professional internship and being Mm -hmm. quote unquote devastated when you were not offered any of the positions that you applied for. And I was, again, like you did not have to put that in the book. And a lot of people would have skipped over that because, you know, who wants to talk about the hard parts So can you talk about why did you include that information and how do you view that experience now? Yeah, um, that's interesting. So the reason I put it in the book is because I, um, in a weird way, don't necessarily believe in fairy tales like it's weird because i'm such a big disney fan right in reality the happy ending isn't always the case but in a lot of other ways the happy ending does occur it's just not that same ending that you were imagining that you had hoped for i think where i am right now is incredible and I'm very grateful for for what I'm able to do with with my love of Disney. I think if you told that 13-year-old Connor, hey, this is what you're going to do, he would have said, well, that was not the plan, first off. So what are you doing? Um, And then second off, he would have said, what went wrong? Um, The plan was always to go to college to get the Disney college program to um, roll that into a Disney professional internship, which the professional 
the, if the college program is working in the parks, the professional internship is working in corporate and then roll that professional internship into a full-time job with Disney and work at Disney in corporate for, for the rest of my life. And it was going to be like in communications, marketing, advertising, what, whatever it was going to be. And I got a third of the way there. I got the college program. And when all of a sudden you're working at Disney and you're one step of the way there, and you're ready to for step two, the professional internship, and you don't get it, you have to kind of learn quick and learn fast. Well, what am I going to do now? And what am I supposed to do with, with this dream that I always had of working for this company? Because it's clearly not going to work out. If I didn't put that in the book, then no one would ever learn anything. I, I, I don't think. I think you learn stuff about yourself in the tough times, in the difficult times, and you adapt and overcome and you're stronger and better off for it. And if you have that um, happen to you and you have all of those important things happen to you and you learn from it and you don't share those hardships, those life lessons with people, then it's very selfish and you should kind of almost be, you know, almost ashamed of yourself for depriving other people of, of, of that knowledge of that experience that you gained through that. So I think that that's why I, I wrote that book because, or, or why I included it in the book, because I thought, you know what, I want to write this book because it's, gonna have the content that I always wanted as that 13 year old Connor but then also I should really have this portion in the book for uh 22 year old Connor who would have probably benefited mm-hmm. greatly from reading about this and knowing hey it's going to be okay you're going to adapt and overcome things like this happen so yeah I'm glad that you you pointed that out and and I'm also glad that I, I kept it in the book. Yeah, I, I also did not get the professional internship that I really wanted, the one that was like the first on my list. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, tail between my legs, went back home to Michigan. And, you know, eventually I did get one, but it was, it is devastating. And a lot of you know, you tried multiple positions and I have a family friend whose son is in the same position right now. He's applying to all these and he's not getting chosen. And it, it's, mm. it's so competitive and it's not, you know, you're not, not getting it because you're not good enough or you're not passionate enough. It's just Disney when they are hiring people they're, they just have something so specific that they're looking for at that moment. So, you know, uh, five minutes from now, they could be looking for something specific that you have, but you didn't yep. apply at that time because that's just, you know, it's just, it's very, it's, it's not, it's luck in terms of timing, but it's also, it's just, 
the kind of the way the domino falls sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I appreciated that because it's like you said, like your audience is, is the younger, you know, teenager or, you know, early twenties kid that's in college that is just whimsical dreams ahead, you know? Yes, <laughs> and exactly. And you have that pipe, you have that pipeline mapped out and it's, I can guarantee you one thing, it's not going to go the way you think it's going to go, but that doesn't mean it's going to turn out bad. <laughs> exactly. And I think even beyond Disney, I think so many people have this goal that I'm going to do X, Y, Z after I graduate and it doesn't come true. And it happens outside of Disney with other companies, with other I don't know, getting into a grad school or a law school or, or whatever it is. So I think that it happens to everyone at some point in their in their lives. It doesn't go according to plan. What's that saying? That's like uh, life is what happens when you're busy making plans, right? Like yep. it just gets in the way and that's how it that's how it all works. So you have this manuscript. What are the challenges with actually getting it published? Yeah, so I worked with a publisher, Theme Park Press, and I didn't even have the manuscript, actually. I They had a, a suggestion box on their website, and I said, hey, I have an idea for a book. I worked at these two very different places in Walt Disney World. I think I would love to share the most you know, detail oriented, you know, processes that, that occurred at both of them. And then also compare and contrast how totally different they were. And the guy that, that runs the theme park press was like, go for it, write it. And, and, you know, we'll, we'll publish it. And, um, I think now, you know, there are a million ways to self publish, um, beyond going to a publisher and if you have like a goal or a dream to do this there's a million opportunities for you like the internet is so great in the respect of you can create a physical product a physical book super super simple you can hire copy editors super super simple you can do it all by yourself very 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 affordably um if you want to so i think you know kind of figure out the story you want to tell first, decide if it's good, decide if you have enough material to make it worthwhile. Um, and then getting it out there is almost the the easy part. I mean, you hear all those stories about how, you know, Stephen King got rejected, you know, hundreds of times. We're not talking about being Stephen King here. We're talking about having an idea for a book <laughs> and focusing on the story what's compelling about it, write that, and then you can kind of figure out the rest of it later. That's good advice. I have a book in me. I just don't know what it is yet. <laughs> I think everyone has a book in them. It's, they just don't know. Yeah. Where is it? How is it going to come out? For sure. Okay. So now I want to shift a little bit to your podcast. Obviously, podcasting has exploded. Yeah. Uh, this podcast is a result of 2020. So... <laughs> What prompted you to go the direction of starting a podcast? And like, did you have any challenges in doing that? Yeah, I mean, I think the reason I wanted to start 
the podcast was after I stopped working for Disney, I went back to Maryland. I started working a corporate job in marketing and I had that Disney void in my in my heart and I needed to fill it and I wanted to talk Disney and share my Disney expertise and I thought podcasting is coming. This seems pretty cool. Let's let's do this. In the beginning, for the first few years, I had a co-host who's my best friend, Hank, and I wouldn't have started the podcast without him. I couldn't have just started it talking by myself or interviewing people. Like that's just, it wasn't, I didn't have it in me. So having him as the co-host was so great to, to start it. So that was the biggest challenge was like, just, you know, I didn't, I didn't have to convince him. We didn't have to convince each other. We probably independently thought about it and came together. Um, getting the podcast up and running is very simple in in a lot of ways of like figuring out how to edit or upload. Like that's kind of easy and there's an ample resources on the internet to figure that out. But coming up with your voice and what you're going to talk about, that's the, the tough, tough parts. And that just comes to you the more you do it so that's kind of why i started it and then you know the challenges that i faced getting it it up and running i also thought that from a podcasting perspective it's it's a very intimate medium because like when you're reading a book it's right in front of you when you're watching tv same sort of thing you you can be distracted by all of it but like putting someone's voice in your ears And like you can't hear anything else like that's a very intimate sort of format. And that's what kind of drew me to it. Like you could build relationships through this, this medium. Um, So that's why I decided to go to go with that. I thought it was just very unique and, and it would fit my style of, of, you know, sharing expertise and sharing love of Disney. Yes. I feel the same way actually. Cause I'm, by nature, I'm an introvert. Yeah. But I actually just saw this shirt on the internet the other day, and I 100% am going to buy it. It says, introvert, but willing to talk about Disney. And like, that is me to a T. So I feel like I can sit in my house, and I can talk to other people who also love Disney, and it's a safe space for me to be in. But I... I do feel like I'm having conversations, you know, in our, we have our Facebook group and people comment on the show and like, Oh, I like this, what he said, or she said about this or that, or I disagree. You know, like you have these, you start to meet people that listen yes. and then you start to get to know them. And all of a sudden, like you have this whole new group of friends. Yeah. It's this pot podcasting was made for introverts and extroverts in, in different, in different ways ways there's different benefits for each of us but uh yeah i love it okay so along your journey from college program writing your book doing your podcast what are some of like the best resources that helped you along the way did you have a mentor or were you just kind of like using the internet for all it was worth (laughs) yeah i mean i think that that was a big one using the internet but I'm, I've always been kind of like self-taught in that regard. Like I like researching stuff and figuring out independently. 
But then I think, I mean, you know, the biggest resource I think you can have is your, your friends and your family. If you have people in your life who are willing to help um, you do these things and are willing to support you, well, those are people that should st- stick in your life, that you should keep in your life. And I think they're willing to help in that regard. So I talk about like my best friend being my co-host, my other best friends, like reading, you know, proofreading stuff for me or, or giving me advice or saying, hey, I like this. I didn't like this. Hey, you should check this out. I think just, you know, asking for people's feedback and and help. If you can have thick enough skin some of the times um, and not take it so personally, I think that that sort of support and and assistance, that's going to be the biggest, you know, resource that that you can really have. You can figure out how to do whatever. You can figure out how to create whatever. But, you know, getting support from from people that, you care about, I think is super, super important. I'm very lucky to be in that situation where I didn't take too much convincing. I really no convincing at all of the people that I care about in my life to tell them, you know, what I was doing or, or whatever it was. So I think that that's what I've been able to get the most benefit out of from like a resource perspective. Who are three people that have, been the most influential to you in your Disney journey or your life journey that are presently here. Like, don't say Walt. <laughs> That's a given. Yep, yep. <laughs> so I'll say mom and dad, but I'll, I'll just have that as one, even though they're both two incredible people that, you know, mom working at Disney has that Disney bug inside me and, and my dad supporting me in every single way, super, super awesome and, and very beneficial. Um, I think, um, Mr. Lou Mangello is a great guy. Um, I've, I've gotten to know him. Um, he does WDW radio. He's super supportive and, and helpful. And back in the day, I mean, back in like, I remember, you know, I would when I would drive to college back and forth to to college like in from winter break or summer break or whatever I would listen to his podcast and be like you know this is this is really really cool so he was very inspiring in a lot of ways um and and helpful um um in that regard and then I would also say like the the third one which is kind of a cop out but I don't want to name names and forget about naming anyone in particular, but it's like people who have become my friends through the Disney community. And I think if you put yourself out there and you show your love of Disney, you're, you're able to form relationships from that. And I'm not talking about like just business relationships or strategic relationships or whatever. I'm talking about like actual friendships. Um, I've been lucky enough to have a lot of them come out um, um, from simply starting as a podcast interview um, or a, a direct message on Instagram. Um, I've had friendships blossom into that, which have been really, really, really awesome. Um, and then those friendships have kind of grown and evolved into 
ones of a supportive nature um, as well. So I think that that is super awesome and something that I'm very lucky to to have in my life. So yeah, so I won't name names, but like the 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 collective group of of the community that I've been able to form um, just from this, I think is is pretty awesome. Okay, last question. Since I nixed Walt off of your dance card a minute ago. (laughs) (laughs) If you could do three things at any Disney park with Walt, what would you do? So like maybe a ride, a meal, a show. What three things would you do? So I think the ride I would do is um that's a tough one it's so weird because (laughs) i just talked so much crap about it for an extended period but i think i might ride it's a small world with walt because i'd love to hear stories about what it was like to build that the importance of it at the 1964-65 world's fair and then how that kind of changed theme parks going forward and how they had taken everything that they had learned from from previous stuff at Disneyland and and were able to build that. So I would love to ride that with him. Um, also probably because we would just talk through the whole thing. So maybe that might drown out some of the music. I think that that would be important. <laughs> um, if I could... Um, see a show i think i would i would want to see harmonious with him um which might be a uh um some people might be upset with that answer but i just think from a from a technical perspective i think you would be blown away by it from you know a musical perspective as well um i think you'd be really intrigued by it and it, it would be cool to see his reaction and and kind of see how much live entertainment has has become a, a big component in in you know the Disney parks, um, and then if we have to if we're if we're eating something, I might let's see here. You know he was a simple man. He he <laughs> didn't like you know fancy stuff. Um, so probably you know. A Casey's Corner hot dog, that would be that would be pretty cool, and to be able to sit on Main Street, watch the world go by, as we did that, that would be pretty pretty freaking awesome for sure. <laughs> I was thinking, I when you were hesitating, I was like, I know he's going to say corn dog nuggets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He can get whatever he wants. My treat, the corn dog nuggets, that foot long, which. This I don't know what's going on, but like the last three times I've gotten Casey's Corner with people, they've accidentally ordered the, the foot long hot dog, which is actually like two feet. It's the biggest freaking comical hot dog you've ever seen. And people just keep accidentally ordering it when I'm with them. And it's so funny when it comes out. <laughs> um, he can get that. I'll, 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 I'll treat him to it. I do want to give you just a minute to talk about this really interesting business that you have, which is tours of 
the Disney parks. Can you talk about that for a second so everybody understands what it is? So, you know, I think the the main thing is um, a Disney vacation, and I think most listeners know this, uh, is very, very, very complicated. You know, Genie Plus and Lightning Lanes aside, every other component of it is is very, very complicated. So much planning goes into it, and the parks themselves are so big and there's so many different terms you have to know you almost have to have like a graduate degree in disney to kind of navigate the parks these days so what i saw was an interesting opportunity to help people have great days in the parks who might know that they're you know walt disney world has four theme parks and they have attractions but that's kind of where their knowledge ends you know they want to have a good time they want to go on rides but they don't know where to start they don't know where to go in the park they don't know what order they don't know what attractions are worthwhile what they might like what they might not like knowing what I know, I knew that I could help people navigate the parks and that being with them in person could be really, really cool to do. So that's what it is. It's it's magical park tours. I will, you know, our team of, of tour guides will show up uh, when you book a tour. We'll get on the phone with you before to kind of tell you how the day's going to go to get kind of your interests. And then we show up on the park day and and show up bright and early and meet you there and we go into the parks and we start riding rides ride rides and eat food and watch shows and it's been great and people really 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 enjoy it i think the main benefit is the fact that so many people come here and they do a good amount of planning but you don't understand like how much planning you actually have to do and once you get here and you have no idea where the closest bathroom is or the closest pretzel cart is or where do I go from here to there? How do I get there? Um, those things all are decisions that are made every day in Disney parks. Um, and they seem like minuscule decisions. But the next thing you know, you have this question and it hasn't been answered. And it's 15 minutes later and you've wasted this time when you should have been walking from point A to point B. So what we do as our, our tour guides, they just take the stress out of all that away. Um, they take you around the parks and get you on rides and um, navigate it kind of flawlessly so that you can just focus on on having fun. I think it's really appealing to people who are coming for the first time or the first time in a very, 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 very long time who aren't like the uber disney fans who are here all the time who are constantly obsessing over the next trip who are constantly planning um because there's a lot of people in the parks that are just coming because they've heard great things about it and they just want to have a great day as well and we're here to help them i love it it's such a good idea yeah uh okay where can people find you online? Where would you like to send people to learn more about all of your awesome stuff? You can follow me um, on Instagram, Facebook, at WDW Opinion. 
and the blog and the podcast is wdwopinion.com. And if you want to learn more about the tours, it's magicalparktours.com or at magicalparktours on Facebook and Instagram. That's where you can go to learn more about me. Um, and my book is on the WDW Opinion website. And I will have links for all of this stuff for you guys in the show notes. So you can click over from there as well. Uh, With that, we are going to be pulling up to our stop here. Thank you so much for talking to all of us for nearing two hours now. (laughs) Yes, sorry about that. Um, I hope. No, no, that's totally fine. I am constantly uh, with my very often co-host painfully aware of how long-winded we are when we get on the subjects (laughs) that we love so much but um yeah i'll have this stuff for you guys in the show notes and thank you for being here with us tonight connor thank you so yeah thank you so much don i i appreciate it happy and honored to be on the show wrap on this episode. Thanks so much for riding the red line with us. Please be sure to check out all the links to Connor's great content in the show notes. Now that you've had a listen, we invite you to join our Main and Magic Friends community on Facebook to share your thoughts about the episode. You are welcome to pop in to share an idea, a story, or photo, and connect with other Disney fans. You can also ask questions, get and give advice, post updates from the parks, and just have some fun. Head to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Maine and Magic to join. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Maine and Magic. If you've got a comment or a question, you can email me at mainandmagic at gmail.com or use the contact form on our website at mainandmagic.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a minute to share it out on social media or pop over to iTunes and leave us a review. Thank you so much for listening. And of course, in the Disney tradition around here, we don't like to say goodbye, so we say see you real soon.